Okay, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the One Before I Die podcast, episode 100 and 149. Stumbled over the words there for a second. 149 um, coming in here on a Wednesday, the day before the season opener. Buffalo Bills football is officially back. Um, it's obviously the day before the game, but, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it's here. It, it's, you know, it's it seems like it's taken a while, but it is finally here. Thursday night, Bills at Rams be the main talking point of this podcast. Um, you know, we did our season preview last week. So obviously if you tuned into that, we talked about it a little bit. We didn't go too into specifics about each game. So this episode will probably go into a little bit more specifics about the, the opener bills at Rams, give score predictions, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, NFL's back and uh, we're ready to rock here. So that'll be a bit main talking point of this episode, obviously. And then, um, you know, when you didn't think that Sabres was going to kind of creep in maybe until October when they opened the season, um, kind of got hit with a few things this past week. So I think the biggest one being Tage Thompson contract extension from the clouds. The man got paid. We'll dive into that, give our thoughts on on the contract extension for Tage. And then the other one, the goat head is back. The black and red is returning this year, this season for the Sabres, it'll be their third jersey, their alternate jersey. It'll be worn on select games this year. I believe that maybe there's 10 games that'll be worn at, 10 plus games or so that um, the 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 go head, the black and red go head will be worn. Um, so that's some exciting news. Uh, of course, I know that a lot of Sabres fans were very excited for that one. Um, so that also came out this past week and seems like everybody's on board with that. But Sabres, Bills, we got everything for you today getting into that time of year where, you know, we really don't have to think very hard of what we're going to talk about on the podcast. It's, um, you know, the summer days are kind of over now and, uh, and we're back into the full, fully scheduled programming. So without further ado, we'll introduce Ethan as we always do. And then we'll get right into the episode. Um, so Ethan, how you doing over there? Uh, you ready for Thursday night? I'm so ready. Uh, like you said, summer is now over. Labor Day weekend is the end of summer, and we are now in the fall. Week one is upon us. The Bills will be in action tomorrow as you guys are listening to this. So counting on the days to kick off here. And then, like you said, I think my biggest thing going into this fall, and it might be a little unpopular, but my biggest thing this year is going to be, let's not forget about the Sabres, because uh, the Bills are going to get a lot of hype, and as they should. I mean, this is the most anticipated Bills team, Bills season uh, since I've been alive, probably. Uh, so they need to get the hype and they need to get the love and support that they're going to get from the podcast. But the Sabres are going to have a very exciting team too this year. And I think, like you said, Tate Thompson just got big extension. The goat head is back. It's nice to have some Sabres news in September that we can get excited about for once. And I think I know I was thinking about this over the weekend. This might be well, it definitely is since we started the podcast, but in my I think in my entire life, this might be the one and only season that I can remember that going into the season, I'm actually excited for both the Bills team and the Sabres team that they're gonna put on the ice. I don't know if if you can think of any other season that you would you would say that you're excited to. I mean, ex, you're always excited to watch, but like, you know, With what I'm like saying ex- like expectations. Yeah, yeah, and I wouldn't say. I mean, the Sabers' expectations aren't anywhere close to what the Bills are, but I mean, 
I wouldn't even say that, like, you know, I don't even have playoff expectations for the Sabres, but I'm at least excited to watch this team because I know where they're going and, like, you know, the, the players and based on how we finished last year and what happened and everything, all the things that we've been talking about, I'm excited to watch this team. I think, I think they could get, you know, make a real run and make some noise at least, even if they don't make the playoffs and really set themselves up for the next year. So I don't know if there's another season that I can go back and say, you know, I'm really excited to watch the Bills and the Sabres this year. Yeah, well, I think that the Sabres alone, maybe dating back 10 years, you know, nixes that for you, right? Like, I don't think they're, you know, maybe uh, maybe you can make an argument for, you know, maybe myself, I was a little bit naive maybe back in 2017, 2018-ish, where uh, the Sabres had a pretty strong start with the 10 games in a row streak, and then they tailed off, and then maybe that offseason going into the next season, I was maybe a little bit naive thinking they're going to be better than they actually were. Maybe you can throw that in there as an excited for the Sabre season, but in t- as, instead of that if, that, if that's the only exception, dating back to... Yeah, but you weren't that excited going into those Bill seasons. Right, yeah. I guess it, just, it doesn't overlap, but I, all I was saying is that, like, you know, if you don't even count that Sabre season, the Sabres do it alone to you for the past 10 years. So I don't think we were really excited. And then if you're talking about Bills, probably not really that excited until maybe Josh Allen made that leap and until he was drafted. I mean... yeah. I mean, when he was first drafted, we all didn't want him to be drafted. So, like, already going into that season, we probably weren't very excited. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a while since you're excited to go into both seasons. Um, Again, like you said, the expectations are definitely different, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're not excited for the Sabre season. I think most people are. Yeah, I think I'm excited for – I think, finally, for once, both teams have the regimes in place, hopefully. I know it might be a little too early to say that for the Sabres, but (laughs) – I think they both have their regimes and their kind of core players in place. And I don't, yeah. I, and I don't know if you could have said that. Maybe you, you thought, like you were saying, you thought that for the Sabres for a couple of years with Eichel, but I, I think it's, it was always still up in the air because the team never performed in the, the previous years. You know, every time with Eichel, we would never even come close to sniffing the playoffs. So it was always something that needed to happen. There's always change, but like, I don't know, things seem to be different with the Sabres and we're kind of falling in the Bills' footpaths a little bit. So, I'm excited for both, and I just don't want to lose sight of the Sabres team that we got here just because the Bills are going – this this season's going to be awesome. So, yeah, well, I mean, it's I think call we should out. get right into it with the Bills here uh, after I went on this whole rant about not forgetting about the Sabres. I mean, <laughs> the talk of this week is going to be week one in L.A., Thursday night football, Super Bowl champions open the season up. Um, I mean, the, the game's going to be electric – we always talk about, you know, when I, my first thoughts on this game is we always talk about LA as a sports city. I think it's going to be loaded with bills fans. And I don't think that's a hot take. I mean, I was already reading on Twitter that both, you know, Buffalo Rochester airports, they got bills fans loading, piling in there, making trips out to LA for the opener. Um, but I, you know, I think it's going to be an electric opener. The bills, I, I think are two and a half point favorites when I checked earlier today. Um, so that's also interesting, you know, going on the road against the Super Bowl champs into their dome when they're gonna be celebrating a Super Bowl to be favored. That doesn't make me feel great, but uh, you know, I'm you can't you gotta go in and uh and be ready to go. So I just think yeah, it's gonna be on an awesome game. Yeah, so a lot of storylines with this one. Obviously, first game of the NFL season, Super Bowl champs obviously get the game the first game of the season, so Rams looking to repeat. Uh, and then you got the Von Miller storyline, right? Von Miller out on the Rams last year. Now he's on the Bills. 
as soon as he signed with the Bills, you could pretty much lock that one in for, you know, the, the Thursday night game. Um, you got the OBJ rumors kind of swirling over the offseason. I know that he actually tweeted out today, yesterday, as you guys are listening to this, he tweeted out whichever team's wins, uh, you know, kind of signaling out whichever team wins he's going to sign with, obviously making a joke about it. Um, but two high power teams, uh, as you said, the Bills are favored two and a half, over under is 52. Bills are minus 135 on the money line. The Bills started out this this uh, th- this line open. The Bills were underdogs. So, what makes me more scared for? I, I know you said they're you know you're nervous for them being favored. The part that makes me nervous isn't necessarily that they're favored. Is the fact that so many people are high on the Bills and so many people bet on them to the point where it moved the line completely from them being underdogs to now them being favored. Um, everybody and their mother is on the Bills. Everybody and their mother is high on the Bills for the season. That's what makes me more nervous than anything in terms of gambling, but yeah, it'll be a good one. Um, I know on our season previews, I predicted the bills to win. So a little bit of spoiler alert there. Maybe if you listen to that, you already knew that Ethan predicted them to lose this first game. Um, but I don't know. It should be a good one. I mean, I think the bills are going to honestly come out and, and, and fire away. I think this game can go one of two ways. I think they either the bills can, I think the bills are either going to win this game. And if they win this game, it's going to be by a lot. I think they're going to smack them and win by two touchdowns or more, or I think they lose. I don't see the bills winning this game by a field goal or a one possession game. I don't know what it is, but I think that if they're going to win, it's going to be a big win. Um, There's, there's rumors about Matt Stafford going into the year, maybe a little bit of an injury in his right elbow might need Tommy John surgery. So I don't know how much they're going to be maybe throwing the ball early on. Maybe he's going to be a little more fresh early in the season that's something to pay attention to. Um, but it, honestly, I just hope the game, I hope the game, first of all, lives up to its expectations, but more than anything, I hope the bills win. But I mean, it is the first game of the year. People are going to be excited for it. Um, and I hope it's not just like a, a stinker that the bills put out last year in their, in their opener against the Steelers. I hope they kind of learn from that last year. I hope they're ready to go off the rip. Um, now you got to keep in mind that I, I know we talk about this all the time. You got to keep in mind that, it is one week, and if you know things go south, you have to kind of, you know, contain your overreactions. Um, but it's hard to do that when it's amplified to this stage, where it's the first game yeah. of the NFL season. NFL is always so Prime hyped time. up. The 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 next season is always the biggest season, right? So it, it is going to be hard if um if they kind of lay an egg here. You got to temper your expectations moving forward after that. But it is going to be a big one. And it's going to kind of set the tone for the for the first few games here that we talked about last week, um, you know, their first five, six games before the bye, it's a, it's a kind of a grueling schedule. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, I don't know if we want to get into predictions right off the bat, or if there's other things that we kind of want to talk about. Well, like, um, I think, um, you know, a couple of things that I'm going to be keying in on. Number one is my biggest concern is our secondary versus uh, the LA receiving core. I mean, Cooper cup, no secret. I think he's, you know, what, top top five receiver in the NFL at this point, probably. Um, yeah, top three. If I, I would say a lot of people would put him at number one, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, fantasy-wise, for sure. But um, without Trey White, and you're going to have most likely a rookie, uh, Kair Elam, starting at one of the cornerback spots. That we well, the, about so the depth week. chart was announced, so I think it's going to be Kair Elam and Dane Jackson, which, I mean, I guess this is a good thing to talk about because um, – yeah, obviously the the cornerback position without Trey White, and it's been a topic of conversation for the past three years, it seems like. I think, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again, I think everyone 
I think I'm the minority in this where I'm not as worried about the cornerback situation as the rest of Bills fans are. Um, and and maybe you, I mean, you're the one who brought it up, but the, the way I see it, and I've, I've said this before, um, it, I think it's more the pass rush than anything. Like, the, like if you look back at the, the games last year, the games that we lost or whatever, like the cornerbacks were never really the issue. Like, I understand that can be an issue moving forward, but like, even when Trey White went out last year, we didn't lose because of the cornerbacks. You know, like, I think the pass rush, it, it, with a better pass rush, the better the cornerbacks are because the less time the QB has. I just think that there's a lot more factors into it. I think Dane Jackson holds his own. I think, obviously, having Trey White, he's more of a game breaker, but I think the other guys can kind of hold their own. So I'm not as concerned about it necessarily as other Bills fans are, and maybe I'll be proved wrong. But it seems like every time that guys have gone down in the past, Levi Wallace, it seems like we've rotated him out a lot. Obviously, Trey White went down. Like we seem to hold our own at the secondary, uh, especially with I don't our, know about our our second, especially with saying. our safeties. It just I, it, it's it's always a it's a very Bills fans love to talk about it because Trey White's out and because maybe it's not as strong as other positions. But it's like, it, can you really name that many times where it's like let us down that much? Yeah, I mean like specifically, who, who was it that uh, got absolutely trucked by Derrick Henry? That might have been Trey White. Like, no, that's what I'm saying. That was that old guy that we brought in. Who was his name? Oh, Who Josh Norman. Be? Yeah. Okay, but <laughs> he, that wasn't like he was a, terrible. But that wasn't like a. Uh, if you're talking about that one specific no, play, like saying, that was on a no, one play. No, no, no. I, I know. I'm not saying that one play is like why he let us down. But I'm just saying when he came in, he was an absolute liability on the field. We made it to the. the but what I'm saying is. I guess he only played a couple games because he was so bad. But I'm just right, saying, you rotate him out. We go to the AFC Championship that year. Didn't didn't. No, I know. Down. But I'm just I'm just talking about in the scope of this one game here. It's a hard it's a hard position to be. I get what you're saying. Like the pass rush obviously plays a factor. And if we adding Von Miller is going to make our secondary better because he's going to get to the quarterback. You know, having Greg Rousseau on a second year, hopefully he's going to take a step forward and he's going to get more pressure, which is hopefully going to make the secondary better. I get that, but it's. It, whether you slice it, dice it, however you do that, it's putting Kyir Elam on Cooper Cup week one, and you're you know welcome to the NFL, buddy, is going to be a tough spot for him. So that I mean yeah. I don't know. I guess I guess what I'm a little bit like I'd I guess what I'm saying right out there. Well, yeah, obviously I'm just I guess what I'm saying is it's more like we're just going to outscore you. Like our offense is going to outscore yeah, you. I, okay, and I can, like I can live with that. And and so like yeah, maybe the cornerback position will be a liability for a few plays here and there, and um whatever it's just it's just i think people zone in too much on it where they where, where they look at it and they're like the cornerback position will be the downfall of why we don't win the super bowl like i don't think it's that big of a position where for for our team specifically with our high powered offense and the rest of the players on our defense with especially our safeties that are going to help out the cornerbacks and you have Taron Johnson in there like it's not going to be that big of a thing where it's going to like derail the season and i know i'm getting past the rams game here but that's kind of like where I get like the vibe from Bill's mafia is like this one position is going to be the demise. Like I think we're, we can overcome it as our team. I don't think so. Cause if Trey white comes back, then, then I think we'll be fine. I just don't think I'm of the opinion. I think we like can, he, I guess uh, this is the last thing I'll say. I think we could win a super bowl without Trey white coming back. That's how insignificant I think that position I guess, can be. I guess you could be right because I've never seen Elam play in a game. Like he could be the next Trey white, right? Or he could be terrible. So, like, I just think it's something that I'm going to be keying in. Like, this is we're talking week one. We're talking Rams here. Let's let's focus in here, and I'm going to be focusing in on Elam and Dane Jackson. 
on a Trey White less Bills secondary. We haven't had like you can talk about that, right? And I get it. We made the AFC Championship without Trey White, but he did go down late in the season, right? We've only played, I think, what three or four or five games with him out, out on the football field last year. Well, he went so, down in Thanksgiving, so the significant part of the year. Yeah, but after Thanksgiving, what we played like five weeks, and then we had a you know, and then we made it to playoffs. But anyway, I just think that it's not having Trey White for on this on the secondary is is going to be tough and i get what you're saying the other thing i want to talk about i just don't think it's only a trey white thing jordan poyer's coming off an injury too and so you don't know what state he's gonna be in you think okay you think he's gonna be i'm just keying in on this buffalo secondary that was awesome last year and seeing if they're gonna pick up the pieces of where they left off uh the other thing that we are you already started talking about um is the pass rush, I'm going to be looking at that on both sides of the ball because we talked about this Bills O-line that had a lot of shuffling in this preseason that I wasn't prepared for. I wasn't prepared to talk about Spencer Brown potentially not starting. I know he's listed now as a starter on the depth chart, yep. uh, but that seemed to get shuffled around a ton in preseason. Uh, you got in, a new guard in uh, Saffold that was injured to start training camp, came in, and it sounds like you know he's going to be ready to go. See how does he mesh with this O-line. Um, you know, Dawkins, I feel like he kind of, I don't want to say took a step back last year, but maybe he got exposed a little bit more than I was, you know, hoping for last year, but I, you know, I'm going to be interested to see how they respond to an Aaron Donald pass rush too. Right. Cause we're talking on both ends, like Aaron Donald, he's like, if you talk, talking best players in the league outside of, you know, the top quarterbacks, he's probably number one. So how are you gonna how are you gonna protect Josh up front? I know that was huge in the beginning of last season, right? Everybody yep. was raising alarms, raising red flags about you know this O line is not gonna get it done. And then until Bates came in, I mean, we were just it was a nightmare, honestly, for the first couple of weeks get the O line uh, settled in. So with a new guy like Saffold and you know the the shuffling going on at right tackle, and then you got to face Aaron Donald week one. That's gonna be a key matchup. And then on the other end, on our pass rush, you add in Vaughn Miller. You got Rousseau coming off uh, his rookie year. You got Boogie Basham coming off his rookie year. Epinesa, uh, what, is he going to be in his third season now? Like, there's a lot of young guys there at Oliver. Um, and then some, you know, familiar faces coming back and Phillips and Lawson. How are we going to get to the quarterback? Because that was, I think, if you want to talk about areas where it is going to bite us is not having a pass rush. I think that was when we, when we, every time we lost last year, I think you could directly attribute it maybe minus the like crazy Patriots win game to not get into the quarterback enough. And you talk about these chiefs mm-hmm. games in the playoffs, not being able to get to Mahomes. like this pass rush this year. This has to be it. I think for us to take that next step. That's been the biggest thing for me. Yeah. That kind of attributes to kind of what I've been saying about the cornerback position, but I just think that I, I think you fixed the, the pass rush and, and we're looking a lot better. I, the other thing I'll say about the defense in general is a lot of people love saying that we had the number one defense last year and a lot of non-Bills fans, you know, will will be like, oh, you know, your defense was great. You had the, you know, statistically it was the number one defense of the year or whatever, however they do those rankings. Um, they weren't like, they weren't that good in my opinion. Like if you look back at their, at the schedule, I wouldn't say they were dominant. No, you look back at the schedule, the, the, the games that they 
played well at the, the games that the defense played well at the the teams we played were terrible. Their offenses were terrible. The teams that every time we gave up more than, or every time we played like a decent or a pretty good offense, they gave up like 30 points. And then you go to the, obviously the, the, the playoff game. And it's like, we can't make a stop to save our lives when we need to. So it's like, that's what I'm looking for. Like, I think again, like this, the reason I'm saying all this is I'm relating it back to the pass rush where I think if that fix, if that like improves, I think that'll be a huge factor to the defense actually like being more dominant and being like a legit number one defense. But I just hate when people say, oh, that we, well, we had the number one defense last year. Well, we scored, you know, a, a million points and Josh Allen was unstoppable and we lost in the playoffs. So it's like the defense was clearly, you know, part of the, the Achilles heel in that situation. So that's what I'm looking for week one. Like the Rams are a good offense. Like we know the Rams are a good offense. They just won the Super Bowl. They have, like Ethan was just talking about, Cups Electric. Like they have a lot of good offensive players. So we're going to be tested out the gate here with, a good offense. Let's see if we can let up, you know, 20 or less points. So um, see how that goes in terms of the offense. Basically just what I said about last week is like, let's see if these guys are just ready to go. And hopefully, and I think it's hard to like, maybe people are like, well, they, you know, they got their reps in for that one series in the preseason, like they're ready to go. It's like, well, Josh also played against the Packers in the preseason last year and looked unreal. And then they kind of came out with a stink bomb first week against the, against the Steelers, like regular seasons, just different than preseason. So, offense i'm looking for like we know what they're capable of we i'm just looking to see how fast and how uh like how quickly they can really get to that potential like we know at some point during this season the offense will look unstoppable or, or not even unstoppable but just like really really good we'll see how quickly they can get to that is it going to be in week one i don't know but i mean we'll, we'll see how quickly they can get to that level of you know scoring at will and, and knowing what we and doing what we know they can do um but I mean, like Ethan said, Rams defense is good. It, the O line is going to be something to watch with Aaron Donald coming in hot. Um, our boy Questenberry is not getting the nod. You know, Spencer Brown will get that nod at right tackle, which I like. Um, but yeah, should be should be interesting with that. And then in terms also of the in terms of the skill guys, like I guess I don't know. A lot of people are high on Davis this year. We'll see if you know defenses are going to hone in on him more. I, I I see McKenzie breaking out a lot. Like. It's just going to see what's the deal with Ken Dorsey's plan of attack here. Like, that's the other thing we always forget about. Like, Ken Dorsey's the OC now. It's not Dable. I know he was the quarterback coach. I know it's probably similar uh, tactics, whatever you want to call it, but he still is a new OC, and let's see what he's got up his sleeve. Yeah, it's going to be interesting right off the gate to see how he uses the running back room, too. I mean, how much how much churn are we going to give Moss, because I know there was those rumors about trading him. You know, how much are we going to use James Cook? Um, you know, is Singletary going to kind of take over a number one role this year? That's going to be interesting to see, too. So, yeah. And, um, uh, you know, just going back off that and off the depth chart, Singletary was listed as the, the, the number one guy, then Moss, and then, um, and then Cook. So, Cook is listed as the third string, Moss is second string. But for all I know, that doesn't really mean anything. You know, that, 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 the depth chart in terms of running back specifically, at least to me, like, I don't know, that can cycle throughout the game as much as anything to yeah. me, honestly. So who knows? We'll go down with that. Um, but I don't know. Do you want to do predictions? Yeah. All right. So as I said earlier and last week, I got the bills winning this game. Um, I also said earlier this podcast, I think it goes one of two ways. I think they lose maybe by like a field goal or something where I think if they win, I think they win, you know, pretty handily. Uh, so I got the Bills winning 31 to 20 here to start off this uh, this season. Um, I'm looking for, 
to, for Josh to get a rushing touchdown. So if you're looking at it like a prop, I, I think he gets in the end zone um, rushing wise. I think Josh scores a touchdown. Um, and I think the offense, I think they do click, you know, pretty, pretty uh, early and often here in the season. Um, and I, I don't know. I'm feeling good about it. I think it's going to be a, a, a handled victory. Maybe, maybe it won't necessarily be like, I think it could be a game maybe where it's still, um, you know, pretty tight and, and it's going back and forth and you're nervous all the way to the end, but maybe we score at the end. Uh, you know, you look at the score to win the by game. double digits or something. Yeah. You score, look at the score for the game is 31, 20. You're like, Oh, well you won that game pretty easily. It's like, yeah, but it was, you know, decently tight throughout the game. We were just able to kind of get that pad at the end. So that's what I'm looking at. Um, 11 point victory and, uh, and, and the one tidbit, I think Josh uh, does score a touchdown at some point. So that's where, that's where I'm at. Yeah. I mean, I, I, like you said, I did pick the bills to lose this game in our, in our season preview. Um, and I, I mean, I, I, I just hate to start the season this way. Cause I did pick them to win the Super Bowl, and I did pick them to win what 14 games. I just just happened to be one of the three losses that I, that I, uh, penciled in there. And, you know, I just think it's, I think it's a tough spot for them. Um, you know, McDermott's only three and two in his season openers since he took over and the three wins that he has are all against the jets. So, I mean, that's take that for what you will. I mean, that's uh, interesting, interesting stat there. Um, I just, you know, I just don't love from a, like, a, this has nothing to do with the bills or the Rams. This is just like a betting thing. You know, the minus two and a half road favorite, that just, I just hate that spot for them. I like, if I was a neutral better here, I would be loving that Ram spot there to be home, you know, kind of a little disrespectful being the Super Bowl champs. They're, you know, going to have a little chip on their shoulder, I think. Um, and I think it might be a little bit of a, a wake up call for the bills, but I think it's going to be close until the end. Uh, I think, I think the Rams are just going to sweep it out by a field goal. Uh, I'm going to say 27, 24 Rams, but like I said, I think this is going to be a tough start to the season for the bills. Not, not, sorry, not tough performance wise, but it's just tough schedule wise. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think if you could start four and two, like I said, I would take that all day. Um, And I just think this isn't going to be one that they get it done. It's just, it's, there's a really tough spot for them. Um, But I think they're going to bounce back nicely in the next couple of weeks, kind of like how they did against the Steelers. So um I would love to be obviously. I would love to be proven wrong. I would love the thirty-one twenty victory, like you predicted, um, and to be going into the home opener riding high. But that's just you know, I gotta I gotta stick to my guns. I can't I can't yeah. get on this podcast a week later after predicting the losing and be like, you know, wait, hold up, now they're gonna win. I, I can I'm gonna do that. Can we? You're not gonna do that every game. I mean, right? They're gonna lose games here. I hate to say, it, and I hate it. Sucks that it's gonna be week week one in my book, but we just can't overreact. I know we've done that in the past, right? You know, I think as this podcast has gone on, we've gotten more mature and we've, you know, realized that we can't overreact in these situations and it is only one game, but, you know, be prepared if they do lose, you know, Friday to say like, you know, are the bills overrated? Like all those takes are going to start to come out. And so uh, I just got to stay level-headed here. We got a long season and it's a really tough opening game. Yeah. And you got to stay level-headed with a win too, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. if they win pretty handily, like I'm saying they are, 31 20 you know that there's gonna be a lot of uh, takes to the super bowl yeah there's gonna be a lot of takes the other way around so you gotta stay level-headed uh stay the course long season here but um uh you know week one is here so excited for that uh prime time right off the gate here and uh and we'll get it going and then we'll be back with a nice recap episode 
the following week. But um, moving ahead here, I think um, that kind of wraps up our preview of the Bills game. Um, if there's anything I think about or Ethan thinks about, maybe just hop in before the, the, the episode's over and we'll, we'll you know go over that. But I think we're going to move ahead to the Sabres here. As I said at the top of the episode, some news comes out of their camp this past week. Obviously, the big one being Tage Thompson extension from the clouds, uh, kind of out of nowhere. So, I mean, no one was expecting that, right? Were, were you? No, I was not accept, uh, expecting that. Yeah. So, um, Tage Thompson got a contract extension. Uh, do you have the details in front of you? I believe it was seven year, seven mil per year. Yeah. Seven, um, seven mil 49 or sorry, seven years, 49 million. Yeah, I think it's like a little over seven mil a year. So seven by seven. Um, I mean, that's that's, uh, you know, that's a significant deal there for Tage. So um, honestly, dude, initial thoughts were like, I didn't really know what to think of it because like I said, like I was kind of thrown off guard by it. Um, I didn't even know that they were talking about a long term deal. Uh, when I saw it, I was like, wow, that's like, you know, I mean, that, that's a lot. I mean, he's going to be here for a while. Hopefully this doesn't turn into another Eichel situation where he signs a long-term tick and they wants out. Um, but after kind of stirring it over for a little bit, you know, thinking on it, um, you know, like I said, I didn't really know what to think. I was just kind of like, oh, okay, I guess we're going to have Tage for seven more years. Um, I, I like it. I, I do like the deal. And the reason why I like the deal is because, this has to like okay a couple reasons one is obviously he only had he had one good year right so that's that's one main thing that people are saying against like oh he had one good year getting seven mil a year for him like kind of crazy to me if he if this does pan out and he's a solid player 25 goals a year the cap's gonna go up you know eventually here in the next couple years that could be a bargain like if he's playing the way that he played last year for the next seven years of his contract, which I, I I understand is a lot to ask, but that's what we're signing him to that because we we you know we saw his potential. If he plays even like a little bit under that for the next seven years, and you're getting him at seven mil a year with the cap going up, that is eventually going to be a bargain down the line. So that's one. Number two is you kind you're kind of putting your chips like like I respect Adams like you're kind of putting your chips in the middle where it's like he's part of our core like this has to work like he like we're we we kind of realize that this is like towards the end of the season when everything started to click you know Tuck and Krebs come over Donnie Meatballs has the boys buzzing you have your core group of guys that you realize like this is what we want the core to be moving forward and Tage Thompson is a big part of this we're going to lock him down we're going to give him his money that he you know he did he earned from this one year. I don't know. Maybe people are saying he didn't earn it yet, but you know, based off this one year, he played well. He he's a, a key guy to this organization moving forward. It's Adams and the organization putting their chips in the middle and saying, if this is going to work, Thompson is going to be a part of it. And so that's the main reason why I like it. It's like we're going with these guys that we think work well together, and we're sticking to it, and we're sticking to this plan of rebuilding with this core group, and not trying to make these crazy trades, and not trying to. Um, you know, mortgage the future for, you know, guys that maybe are going to be good here or there. Like we're kind of going all in with this core that we have. And that, like, I understand it's a lot of money, but like, that's to me where I was like, you know, I, I like it. Like I I'm down with giving him this money because they have a plan in place. Like I firmly believe that Adams has a plan in place that he didn't just go out there and make this deal. Cause like I said, it was out of nowhere. So clearly it was like a, a thought out thing that he knew what he was going to do. He's part of the plan moving forward. This is our core. If it's going to work, he's going to be part of it. Like, that's why I like it. 
<clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I think I agree with most of that. I, I don't think it was completely out of nowhere. I get it was I guess it was out of nowhere in the fact where it's like it kind of just came out, you know, a day. But I mean, we've been talking about this all summer based on, you know, him only having one year left on his contract. He's going to be an RFA next year. And, you know, we kind of had this discussion already. Basically, this contract. Um, I guess it, what I'm saying, it was sorry, dis- real quick. I guess what I'm saying out of nowhere is like, I guess maybe if they were going to do it, I would have thought, thought it would be done like earlier in the summer. Like at this point, I was probably like, okay, they're just going to wait. And then like when they did, I was like, oh, oh, wow, they actually are going to do it this summer. So like that's more so when I say out of nowhere, as opposed to if they were going to do it, I thought they would be like earlier on. And then when they did it, I was like, wow, okay, they're actually going to do it now instead of wait another year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this this just comes back to what you're talking about. It's it's a it's almost like a gambling situation, right? It's kind of paying insurance on a on a guy that had a breakout year last year. I know that he's what going to be 24. Is that yeah, right? So he's still young. He's like he's still he's still pretty young. Um, the only thing is, right? B- besides, he threw out last year, and then he's had some pretty mediocre seasons in the NHL. Obviously, a lot of things changed with the Sabres over the past year. You know, getting Granado in, Ralph Kruger obviously was an absolute dumpster fire and, you know, was a career killer for a lot of these guys on the Sabres. But um I just I I think it was it is a gamble, right? Like the thing that gives me pause a little bit and it sucks because I do like Tage and I I agree with you and uh, with you saying that if if things are going to work out, Tage is going to have to be a part of this, and he's going to have to be a key piece. He's going to be have to be a core guy if we are going to turn this franchise around in the next couple of years and you know start making playoff runs. The thing is, though, they didn't need to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like they didn't need to make this deal. They still had a year left, but and but the other what if he the, what if he has another coin, sick year and you right, have to pay him coin, ten mil. I don't know if you'd ever have to. Be, I mean, he would have to put up like another forty goal. He'd have to put up a forty if goal he, year. If he replicated his season from last year, you'd he'd probably have to... get nine million a year, right? And I, I, I agree. That's that would put the Sabers in a tough spot. You're gonna have to pay him like a Skinner contract at that point. Um, but to me, based on their cap situation. I would say Tate, I would say Tate, go prove that. And if you do it, you've earned it. I'll go pay you nine million dollars a year because now I know that you haven't done it once, that you've done it twice, and you're still, you know, twenty-five years old. That's kind of been would have been my take on it. Um, but I mean, if he goes and does that, then Kevin Adams is gonna look like an absolute genius because they got this guy at a seven million dollar a year salary for the next seven years. So um it's it's a gamble. And I mean, if he doesn't do that it could turn out the opposite way. I mean, we could have, look at, look at Kyle Poso. I know it's a different situation, right? Kyle Poso was in the league for, you know, almost 10 years, I think before he signed his deal with the Sabres, but that contract, I love Kyle Poso for what he is. He's not worth $6 million a year. And so I don't want to be in a position five years from now. It's like Tage Thompson is not worth $7 million a year. If we are in that position, we're going to have bigger problems because that means, like you said, like Tage Thompson has to work out for this thing to turn around. So that means that this thing didn't turn around, right? Where right. it's going to be a miserable, miserable situation. So I like, I'm kind of half in half out. Um, that well, That's so, kind of like what I'm saying, like right there. Like if, if Tage doesn't work out, like if he, if it, if, if, if it doesn't look like it's like, he's just not as good of a player when he is finishing out this contract, like a couple of things. One is, 
the cap, like you were talking about the cap situation, like down the line, maybe like the cap situation now is like, we almost have enough room for the next couple of years where if like, it doesn't work out, then it's like, okay, well he only has, um, or okay. So for the next few years, we have a ton of cap room. And then like, say we bolster it up like three, four years from now. And we're like, you know, not at the super low cap anymore. Then he only has like three more years on his deal anyway at seven mil, which like obviously didn't work out and it, and it sucks, but it's like, all right, at least the cap hit didn't really matter too much until the end of years of his contract when it's going to like, you know, end out anyway. The second thing is, is like, if it doesn't work out where he's not that good and, and we're scrambling, it's like, well, the team's probably not in a good position anyway, where, when he, where he can finish out his contract and then we're going to have to do this whole rebuild thing again, where it's not going to like matter that much. Like if that makes sense, like if it, mm-hmm. if, if it doesn't work out like three, four years down the line, we're not going to look at this and be like, well, this one seven mil a year, like hit for the next four years. Like we're not going to care about that because the team's not in the position to win anyway. Yeah. So it's like, but there is some middle ground there too, right? Where let's say he puts up another 20 goal year and then he puts up another 20 something goal year. Like if he's doing that at consistent pace, then you could have got him for maybe four or $5 million. You know what I mean? Like if he turns out to be yeah, a 20 goal score, scorer, like, then you're overpaying a guy who's a 20 goal scorer. So I, I just think yeah. it's a gamble. And I, I think it's Kevin Adams first. Um, it's like, his you just first... have so much room. Like I'm looking at their cap friendly right now. Like they, they have a have, ton of space. You just have like room to work with. And like the, the other thing is, is that like, obviously Skinner's signed obviously with a, not a great contract, but you have Tuck who signed through 25, 26 at like 4.7. So like, that's a guy that's like, probably should be making more that he's making less to, you know, maybe why, give yourself... why should he be making more? I think Tuck's better than uh, Thompson. I think Tuck, I think, Tuck, I think I getting th- Tuck, I mean, I think getting Tuck for the next four years at just under five mil is, is a, is a steal. I think it's a, I think it's a very fair contract both for the team and for Tuck. I think that that's perfect for what he, I mean, he has, if Tuck, a, if Tuck was hitting UFA market this year, I think you'd get six mil easy. Probably because that's how free agency works nowadays. So that's why I, it's a gamble or, or yeah. sorry. That's why it's a steal. Okay. Regardless if he's earned it or not, it's like that's how it works. So it's like yeah, he I would get think, six mil. I just elsewhere. think Thompson could be closer to a player like him versus if you're paying a guy seven by seven, like he should be a top line guy that's scoring a bunch of goals. Not, like not, like, not like, anymore, like what Thompson dude. did. Dude, not anymore. Not in the league now. The the, the the top line guys are getting 12 mil a year. Like the cap's gone up. Like that's just well, not how it works. 12, 12 mil a year is like the, the top top. That's like Austin Matthews. But it's like it's it's Johnny Goudreau. It's it's anybody who's a top guy like that is getting is getting double digit mil a year. I think guys like Tom like that's the way the league's going now. Where, where I was saying it's like second line guys or like fringe first line guys are going to be making seven eight million dollars a year. That's just like the cap going up. I just yeah. think that's how it is nowadays. And it's like and maybe they don't deserve it like you said, but that's why it's a steal when you get them at a lower number because even if they don't deserve it, some team's going to pay them that much. So it's like everything's inflated in a different way. It's weird. It's like something can be a good deal even when they're not really earning that contract because someone was going to get them at a higher number anyway. So it's like maybe Tuck isn't worth six and a half, seven, but I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if he got that. So getting him at five, which he actually is worth, is a really good deal because he would be making that some, he'd be making more than that somewhere else, even if it's not like what he's worth. That's just the way the cap works. It's just different. 
No, I agree. I just think we know what Tuck does, right? He's going to put up hopefully 20 to 25 goals, and but he's going to bring more than just goal scoring to your team. Absolutely. Right? And so I agree with what you said on that. Like he's, he, if he hit free agency, he'd probably fetch a six, six, six and a half million dollar a year contract. Thompson hasn't proven that he's worth that seven yet. And I think it's a perfect spot for him where it's, he could either be worth nine if he does it. What, like, what, like I said, if you go, if you go replicate that season, he's going to go get nine over nine million a year. Probably if he doesn't, you could probably sign him for five. Right. So it's, it's, it's going to be Kevin Adams first contract where we really see, you know, how, how well does he know where this team is going? Uh, how well is he setting us up for the future? Cause I think everything else that he's every other move that he's made so far has kind of been, um, well, he's done a great job, not taking anything away, but it's kind of been a layup, right? Like the Jack Eichel return, I think where everybody's very happy with that. But you knew you. Were I wouldn't. Him. I would give him more credit than you're giving him. That took so long. He did not budge. No, he did it, not it budge. did take a while. It did take a while, but I. He was. In, he had all the leverage in that situation, though, right? Like he had Eichel under contract. Eichel was the one that. But was he. Forcing but him. a lot of GMs maybe would have budged. Bottle dude, he would have got. He would have gotten a less return. Like you know, what I mean, you have to. That's that's still you got to give him credit. I just think. It was, I agree. He didn't budge, but getting, you know, trading a player like Eichel, who's a franchise player, the captain is going to score a bunch of goals. I know the situation was a little weird. Getting that return, awesome job, but it was more of a like a layup situation where all he did is he, he stuck by his, he stuck by his guns and he knew he was going to fetch a great return. I think he did a great job with that. Yeah. Um, I think he did a great, great job. I mean, it's still out to say on the, um, it's Sam Reinhardt trade, getting a first and Devin Levi, who's done awesome things so far at Northeastern and is, you know, trending to be the Sabres number one goalie prospect that that trade looks pretty decent right now. And, you know, getting a first for Rista line in like that was, that was absolutely, a, uh, you know, a steal, but steal. I think, you know, what makes and breaks these GMs are how they handle these contract extensions, right? Like these are what actually, it's one thing to be able to, you know, make a nice trade, but to set your team up for success, not only in one season, but for, you know, five, six, seven seasons are these is, you know, picking out these players on who to give these seven, eight million, you know, seven years, eight year contracts to. So this is his real first big contract. Like he signed what Olafson to, another one or two year deal. And he signed mm-hmm. Dolly Dalini gave year. a bridge deal, you know, a three year deal too, to kind of prove it. But this was his first big contract that he's handing out to a player that only had one, you know, 38 goal season. And it could either, you know, really make him as a GM or, <laughs> you know, raise a little bit of eyebrows. And I yeah. think everything Set he's done so far has warranted his praise. And this is going to be the first thing that I think maybe could, cause some stir in the other way. And I'm hoping that, you know, everybody's pulling for Kevin Adams. Obviously everybody wants Tage Thompson to be the guy, be the number one center, put up another 30 goal season. Um, That's just kind of, you know, I don't know if personally, if I was the GM, obviously I'm not. And Kevin Adams is, but I probably would have waited and I would have made him prove it. But it sounds like you said, like, you know, he's got a plan. He's probably, you know, he's like, I'm going to page page seven million dollars a year, so I don't have to worry about paying him nine because I can give that extra two to someone else's contract that I'm planning on giving them next year. Whether it's like you know an Owen Power, or you know, you're going to have to re up Darlene since he's on a bridge deal. So hopefully he, ha- he does have this plan in place. Hopefully Tage works out and we take the next step. 
Last thing I'll say on, on, on the Tage contract to support it one more time is that you could also make the argue that, you know, he's he, obviously he had the one good year statistically, um, but you could make the argument that he's shown flashes. He's, he's dealt with injuries. This was his first year being kind of full-time NHL, full healthy. The other times he was up and down, he, he's playing with a, a Kruger led team. He got injured. I believe it was the year before a brutal injury that, that kept him off the ice. Still very young. He was always like a big dude with a like a really good shot ever since he came up in the league. He had some sick goals. Um, so and then he comes on to this team where Granado takes over, has a legitimate plan in place for him. His first year playing center, right? Like there's also these other things that kind of put in the factor where it's like maybe he was worth it. Um, those are just the last things like I'll say on it, supporting it, because you can kind of look at it seeing that he had the potential. He was maybe in and out of the lineup a lot, which kind of hinders him injured and then, you know, moved to center playing with a new coach and he blossoms. It could kind of be a telltale sign of like, this is going to work because of the situation he was put in. It clicked now, you know, let's get him this deal. Let's keep it rolling. Um, and, and it'll be good going forward. So I, I like, I like the, I like the sound of that. So I like it that like my firm stance on is I do like the deal. Don't love it. Like it. Um, I know you were kind of half in half out. If you had to say right now, like, like it, hate it, don't like it, like get, give me a stance on it right now. Like where where are you at? I know you gave a lot of, you know, back and forth. You know, you just said you probably would have waited a lo- another year. So what's yeah, your, I, what's I, your la- like you don't like it then? I don't love it. Um, but I want to <laughs> be proven. What is it? What is, you got to give I, I me a be stance proven. here. I, I don't love it, but I want to be proven wrong. Okay. So I would have the- waited. I, I would have waited a year and I would have made him earn that the contract a little bit. Okay. More. All right, so you don't love it. All right, well, there's a Tage Thompson, Tage Thompson contract extension. But I love Tage. Talk. UConn, yeah. fellow classmate. Yeah, so. yeah. So hopefully it works out for him. Um, I mean, either way, congrats to Thompson for making a lot of money. I mean, he's going to be set for a while now, only 24 years old, making $7 million a year. Pretty cool for the kid. Um, but moving on, the last thing on the podcast for today's topic probably won't be too long, but the Sabres obviously did announce the goat head returning. The Goat Head logo, black and red. Um, fans are pumped about this. It'll be the third jersey this year. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, I think they're wearing it for like 10 plus games. I could be wrong on that, you know, amount of games, but it's like a lot of different themes they're doing it for. Um, you know, there's going to be like 90s night. Um, I wonder if they're wearing them for the Ryan Miller jersey retirement night. That'd be pretty cool because um, I know he wore it for a little bit of his time, obviously playing with the Sabres. Um, but yeah, Goat Head is back. Uh, it, you know, I hate to be that guy. And, I know. I know what you're gonna say. And the bear, you think this news. is like a spicy take, but it's not at all what you're gonna say. Whoa, whoa! <laughs> what? What? You think you're coming in with a hot take right now, and everybody literally agrees with what you're about to say? What? That I I think it's overrated. I think oh, the logo is overrated. It, you think it's overrated? I thought you're gonna say that it's just not as good as the logo we currently have. I was going to say both. I was going to say, all right, just relax, first of all. <laughs> Second off, what I was going to say is I think the Goat Head logo is overrated, and I think I think saying that is a spicy thing. I think people love this. They, people say, like, yeah, I love for it. it to come I love, back. I love this logo. And, and I, and I like it too. I have a, I have a hat of it. Like I have a hat of it. I bought a, a hat of the, of the Goat Head logo. I'm a huge, you know, that I'm a big vintage retro guy. So that to me, that's why I like it. To me, I like it because it's a vintage logo. If they came back and this was the current logo, I'd be like, I don't love it. But because it has some history to it, some nostalgia to it, 
That's why I like it. And I think they're doing it perfectly by bringing it back as the third jersey, right? Because it's a, it's a nostalgia 100%. thing. It's vintage. You don't want to bring it back full time because to me, blue and gold is the Sabres. You can't, you know, when they went to that full time, it's kind of like, what are we doing here? Blue and gold, still the Sabres. Crossing Swords logo, still better. Um, maybe that's not a hot take, I guess, as you're saying. Maybe most people agree with me. But I do think the go-ahead is a little bit overrated. And I think that, um, Dude. I don't know, I just think I just think people like it more than I do, I guess. I just like it from the from the vintage nostalgia perspective. I don't think the actual logo is that good. Like, if you're just looking at the actual logo, I'm like, for the longest time, when I was younger, when I was looking at the go-ahead logo, I didn't even notice, like, the buffalo in it. I thought the face was facing left. Like, if you yeah. just look at it, like, you think the mouth, like, it looks like a ghost or something. So that's why I was like, I never really loved it. I just like it for the vintage aspect. Yeah, I mean, I think everything you said there is spot on. Two years ago, or whatever, what was it, three, two? Everybody was... I will say, sorry to cut you off. Return, turn to Royal, what? So, sorry to cut you off one more time. I, I said I love it for the vintage aspect. I'll tell you one thing I wouldn't love is, like, if they brought back the banana slug, like just because it's old school, like that logo is still just. Bad. I was literally about to bring that up. This yeah. logo is actually good. This is a sick. This is a sick logo. It's a sick jersey, and it's. I I know what you you're saying. Where blue and gold is the Sabers, and the cross and swords logo is literally the best logo. It's probably top five in hockey, in my opinion, and I'm biased for sure. I like but... it better than the the Bills logo. 100%. That logo is so sick. And when they brought back, so I mean I mean but the Buffalo Slug or whatever they call it is easily the worst logo in Sabres history. Yeah. And when they brought back the third jersey with the crossing swords in navy, you know when they had the Buffalo Slug as yeah, their yeah. main, you know everybody went wild for that jersey because of how sick the logo is, right? And then they went to that full time but and then everybody was complaining about, you know, we need to go back to the Royal Blues. Like, there was the whole return to Royal. And now the jerseys are so sick again. Obviously, those, I don't think they're ever going to get dethroned. Um, but the the goat head jersey and logo is so iconic because it not only, like, it's iconic for us because that's how we were born into the Sabres. Like, you know, for us, being, like, 90s kids, we didn't know anything else, right? Like I just associated the Sabres when I was little with red and black. You know what I'm saying? And like, yeah, you know, dad, dad would, or like we'd go online and like, you know, see old pictures and, you know, dad would talk about it and everything. But like, I just, ne- you know, I would always associate the Sabres being red and black with that logo. And I get what you're saying where you thought it was like facing left. Like I totally did too. But I just think that I just think it's so sick and how they're doing it. I don't think anybody is clamoring for them to replace their current jerseys with this logo, but that's the only time they've ever been to the Stanley cup was in that logo. I mean, that's that they had those sick playoff runs in that. There was just so many great memories. So many great Sabres wore that Jersey. You mean you talk about the two best goalies in Sabres history both wore that jersey, and the jersey was only active for what ten years, I think. I think it was like ninety six to 06 or something like that. And so, I just think it's in, it, it's an incredible move how they're doing it. They're not bringing it back full time as a third jersey. I also love how they're bringing it back as the red and black, you know, full uniform. Yeah. Not yeah. doing the whole reverse. It was retro like a, it was like a it was like a transition into it last year when they did reverse retro goat head, but blue and gold 
Or they didn't even yeah. do GoHead. They did Crossing. They did the old red uni logo. Yeah, yeah. They did the 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 old third jersey. But I just and because I thought that that's what they were going to do again with the the reverse retro um, goat head, and it just it would have not it would have it wouldn't have got it there for me. You know the whole the whole thing of them you know coming on the ice in these jerseys, man. It's gonna it's gonna bring back so many memories, and to see like these current players wearing them, it's gonna be so sick. And I I just don't think your take of you know <laughs> why? Why are you making this about my take? We're saying you the same thing. You, you think this we have the same thing? Yeah, but you're you're acting like oh, it's not going to be popular, and then you're on Twitter being like hot take alert. But this jersey's not as good as the Crossing Swords. Like you, you think people are going to be like going up in arms? Like oh my gosh, this guy thinks. Well, I said it's Crossing overrated. Swords is is better than Goathead. Okay, like, well I read the room wrong. I saw <laughs> a lot more people were. I think I'm still in the mind. I think I'm still in the minority of not liking it as much. I I mean, not as much as as that. I mean, I guess, what do you mean? Not as much as me. Sure. I I love this logo and I just don't think it's as good as crossing swords, but I mean, it's easily number two. And I, I just think it's, it was a, a no brainer for them to bring it back. And I think they did it perfect. I'm yeah, psyched for I agree it. With all that. I'm already circling December 23rd. On my calendar, home game against Tampa, be home for Christmas, and they're wearing this jersey, and I'm gonna be so hyped for it. I'm I'm with you, dude. I'm I think they did it perfectly with third jersey. Like I'm I agree with everything you said. You're just mad at my take. Like I guess whatever. Um, you know, you can you can have that. <laughs> I'm not mad at anger. I have your take, but I'm just mad at the fact that you've I'm not mad. I'm just you just think you're sick that you have this like hot take. Like you think you're like Stephen A over here. Okay, like, I guess I thought I read the room wrong. I thought more people would have uh I thought more people maybe would have been like like pissed or not pissed, but like I think more people would have disagreed with me by saying it was an overrated logo. Like I think that's I you know, if I said it's overrated, I think like a lot of people would be like, that's not like you're you don't think it's overrated. Like you you are disagreeing with me. It's definitely not overrated. I think it's perfectly rated. Like you think, I don't know what you mean. So, by so that's overrated. so that's a so that's a so that's a different take than the general public. Where I think the the actual logo, if you take the actual logo and you put it like if it was their normal logo right now, like I think the design of it is overrated. I think it's hard right. to like see the buffalo. I agree. No, I agree with that though. That objectively. But you can't. I just don't think you can view. So you're just saying like if it was a design. I thought like more people were never. I guess I was wrong. Though. You're saying if it was a, if it was never like, came in the '90s, and they didn't wear it in the early 2000s, and and it was designed fresh today. And then yeah, and then all of a sudden it was released now, and the Sabers are going to this logo. I'd be like, yo, hundred percent, hundred percent, agree there. But I think you could say that with a lot of hockey jerseys that were in the '90s that people love. Like, yeah, that's what that's exactly what I'm saying. That's why I like vintage. That's why I like it for the vintage aspect, because right, I love like, a lot of those vintage. But jerseys. I just think that that's like the 90, like the 90s hockey jerseys are so sick. Like you talk yeah. about. Well, Mighty no, Ducks. Yeah, it's, it's the classic. It's the classic like um, it's the classic like it's sick now in the moment. People didn't like him, but you look back 20 years, it's sick. It's yeah. the same thing with like I said the same thing about I think it was like two years ago or maybe two three years ago where the you know how there's a new draft hat for the NFL every year and the one draft hat one year was like a, a the for the Bills hat it had like weird like stripes on it and stuff and like in the current moment I was like this doesn't look good but I was like in twenty years you know if my son saw this in my closet he'd be like yo this is sick like it's one of those things you know what I mean yeah but the thing 
I I'll go on record right now and you can, you know, you could slice my head off if, you know, in 20 years, if I'm wrong, I don't think anybody's ever going to think the 2000s Navy blue Bills jerseys are sick. Some people are already saying they want the red helmets back. Red helmets for sure. But that red helmets were like, that was 90s. That was Jim Kelly. Red helmet. Yeah, they had the red helmets with the Navy, though, too. No, they did. Yeah, but the yeah, Navy. But yeah, yeah. But those helmets were different. They want the 90s red helmets back. Yeah. Okay. And, I, no, yeah. Those those Navy blue jerseys were not good. Dude, I don't like, are those ever going to like, I could be wrong. Maybe you're right. Maybe. No, maybe no. I'm there's too early. There. No, there's still some old jerseys where I'll look at them. And I'll be like, that was ugly. Like, no, there's definitely yeah. some. There's an exception to some for sure. But uh, I just think it's funny to try Dude, to like. We need to do. Uh, we need to do. Uh, power ranking or a draft or something for Buffalo sports uniforms or I know, logos. I know. I, well, I was just going to ask you in honor of the go ahead, who's your favorite ever saber to wear the go ahead besides, I guess, Hashik for you. Uh, I mean, just like thinking back to the teams that we watch, like who, no, who yeah, do you I remember the I most? I mean, Hashik, like Hashik was obviously uh, the best saber to wear the Jersey, but who like do you remember when you, when you see that, when you see that yeah, logo, when I see that logo, um, Honestly, I think Rob Rob Ray. Really? Like dude, I think he like, wore I think he wore blue and gold more than the go ahead, if I'm being honest. No. Maybe. I don't know, maybe. Who I think but, I mean I just I mean, think I, of like I, I just think of him fighting in that uniform. I was I, I was thinking you were I was more so thinking like who like when we were watching, like to me it's a Fennegan-off. Like whenever I think about that jersey, it's like a Fennegan. Yeah, no, or, yeah. or Michael Pecker with the C. No, I would like, yeah, I would go the, Michael Pecker with the C was iconic, but also like a JP Dumont or like Alexei Zitnik. Yeah, Zitnik honestly was like Zitnik's the guy I think or about now that you say Suki Campbell. Yeah, but Zitnik's the guy I think about now that you say that because I remember when we were younger and we didn't really know you know too much about the game. We were just like growing up watching. Like like Dad would always yell at Zitnik because he would miss the net a lot. Yeah, so like I thought he sucked, <laughs> but he's actually pretty good. But like Zitnik, um, but like a Venegenov, Venegenov for for sure is like who I think of in that jersey. It's Shatan. It's it's also weird. Yeah, Shatan for sure. It's also weird though because you said like that's who we think of the Sabers, the black and gold, like. To me, it's like a mix between black and gold and, and and slug because we were right in our growing up and like you know actually no like understanding sports and like rooting for a team like when they switched over like to me my childhood was like half black and gold half or black and red half uh banana slug yeah, yeah like it, like it wasn't overwhelmingly blue and black for me like because I still remember Fennaginoff in the banana slug as well I think he was in the banana slug when he did his yeah I maybe maybe it's ice. just because I always viewed the the black and red teams as way better than the blue and gold teams. And I know that the even though they banana- were still nasty that year when they first banana slug. Yeah, that was right after 0506. Yeah. That, yeah and they, they and they what they won the president's cup, I think that year. Like that was a sick year. Mm-hmm. But after like it was that was the peak. That 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 was their peak year was their first year in the banana slug and then it was all downhill from there. Right. And so I just think <clears throat> you know I I I to me that's I think that's also adds to nostalgia, right? Because it's like, as soon as we went away from the red and black, the team just started going downhill. Yeah. So I think bringing that back in this time where, okay, now we're going, now we have our, our we're done experimenting with jerseys. Um, we went back to the blue and gold, but we were never in our original blue and golds until now. And then it's like, okay, let's bring back that 
you know, we're retiring Miller's jersey. We retired Hashik last year. The, you know, these guys both were iconic in these jerseys. And like we had such a sick, you know, we went to the cup in these like this, that was a great period of hockey, even though there were some bad teams in those in those, I think, uh goat head unis, but there was you yeah, know, there's some great like teams. 2000. There were some great teams in those uh in those goat heads. So I think that's kind of why I think like childhood goat heads, because the goat heads of the teams were just better and I had better experiences when they were wearing the goat heads versus the blue and golds minus that their first year in the slug. Last question on the goat head. Who are you most excited for on the current Sabres to see in that uni? Oh, um, that's a good question. I mean, I think you got to say, I, th- I think you got to say Alex Tuck because he, he was a, you know, Western New York native and he grew up like us watching them in those jerseys. But I think it's also going to be cool to see a, a Poso in the jerseys. Like the vet, like the vet in the room. Yeah. I mean, like a Poso, um, I mean, you know, he's, he's been through how many jerseys now. Right. And for him to, to throw on the slut or the, <laughs> or the goat head, I mean, just add it to his repertoire at this point. So he has been through a lot. I, I was going to say just from a strictly, I'm not even talking about like that. I'm just talking about strictly like, who's going to look the sickest in it. For some reason, I think Jack Quinn is going to like, look sick. Like he kind of brings me back like <laughs> old Briere vibes in the goat head, like just kind of like a smaller guy, like maybe like swimming in the Jersey a little bit, but scrappy. I think Quinn's going to look real sharp in that. Um, in that uni, I'm trying to think who else is gonna look like who who just has like swag on the ice, like Darlene. I think power. nice, yeah, power. Samuelson, um, Samuelson's gonna give me like, ah, uh, you know, like a Henrik Talinder vibes, maybe. No, 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 he's gonna give like who's like that big defenseman on the Sabers in the in the Goat Head. I feel like I'm, I feel like we're missing like some, some like big dude, um, uh, like who, like James Woolley or, uh. James like, Patrick. Yeah, I don't maybe like the Brett Warner. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about Colleen. <laughs> uh um all right. Well, that kind of wraps up this episode. You got anything else to add? Uh no. I think it was a good episode. <laughs> ready for uh ready for week one. Yeah, super excited for tomorrow night. Go Bills, go Sabres as always. Uh thank you guys for tuning in, listening in. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you next week after the, you know, bills play their first game after week one out of how football is back and, uh, we'll be back for uh, a nice little recap. So thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Peace.